Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the Gospels, Jesus speaking to Simon Peter and he said Simon the devil had desired to sift you as wheat amen if you know anything about which I don't know today how many of you are involved in harvesting wheat but through studying it out the way that wheat is sifted is that you take the wheat and you toss it in the air and the wind blows And when the wind blows, it separates the chaff, which is the unusable part of the wheat, from the grain, which is the usable part. Amen. And wind in Scripture is a type of judgment. It's a trial. He said, Simon, Satan would have you to sift you as wheat, that there's coming a trial, Simon, and the enemy is doing it for your destruction. But Jesus didn't end it there. He said, but I have prayed for you. Amen. Jesus said, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I want somebody in this building to know that though the enemy would come to sift you, I believe even Jesus Christ, the great mediator between God and man, is praying for us in this building today that your faith will not fail. No matter what happens in this world, come on, no matter what happens in this world, Come on, somebody, I'm going to make it. You need to make that declaration today that we're going to make it. We're going to stand. We're going to remain. We're going to abide. Amen. We're going to get into the Word in just a second. I I do want to say that the week before I left, before we left on our vacation, I had a, a dream that was, you know when you have dreams and you know when there's a dream that's not just a dream, but it's, God is speaking something, and I really didn't know the meaning of the dream. I I could still recall the details of the dream, but I didn't know the meaning, but I feel like in the time since then, God has gave me a revelation of what the dream meant, and I believe that this, our church is going to go through a season of sifting. That doesn't mean anybody's going to leave. Just because you're sifted doesn't mean you have to fail. Because the, the fact is, if you make it through the sifting season, You're better off than you were before you went into it. Amen. And and in order for the harvest to have any meaning, there has to come a sifting. Otherwise, everything you've just harvested will be waste because the chaff will be mixed in with it. But it's not a harvesting season. We've, We've come through a harvesting season. We've seen new families added to this church. And I believe over the next few months, we're going to go through a sifting season. There's going to be things that God's going to reveal to you about yourself that you're not going to like. And the temptation is going to be to leave. There's going to be things that come into the church that we're not going to like. There are going to be things that happen. You need to recognize when it happens. The reason I'm sharing with you is so you can recognize when it happens. When you get offended, you need to recognize it's a sifting season that we're in and you're being tried. Amen. God is trying to reveal to you that you have what it takes to make it. Amen. And so I want us to declare going into this season... And I don't think it's something we need to be fearful of, but I want us to declare going into it that we're going to make it, amen? And that we're going to come out on the other side stronger than we went into it. Our families are going to come out the other side better than we went into it. Our faith is going to be stronger than it was when we went into it. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. I do want to welcome all of our guests that are here today, Living Hope, if you would help me right now. And let's let every guest know today how thankful we are 
how grateful we are that they would choose to come and worship with us today. Amen. As the first song stated, you may look at us the way that we worship. If you've never been to a Pentecostal church before, you might be wondering what in the world you just walked into. Amen. But as that first song stated, amen, there's a reason why we shout the way that we do. There's a reason that we worship the way that we do. If you knew where God brought us from, if you knew what God delivered us from, amen, Brother Gary? If you knew where God brought us from, there's no way that I can remain silent when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries hallelujah. Amen. 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 In one place, the scripture said, if, if you don't praise him, the very rocks are going to cry out. I don't know about you, but I don't want a rock taking my place. Amen. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. And I know that we have stated this before, but I want to, right now while it's in my brain, uh, put it on the calendar that, not Father's Day, but the Sunday after that, which I believe is the 26th, I believe. Somebody can double check that, but we're going to honor our graduates on that Sunday, June 26th. We'll honor our graduates uh, as part of the service. We'll have college and high school graduates come and we're going to have a small gift to give to them amen as well as just recognize them for all their accomplishments amen I know that it's graduation season and graduation party season amen and so we want to it's a big thing right graduate how many of you remember when you graduated from high school pretty big deal right one of those big moments and so we want to we want to make sure the world will celebrate you we want to make sure you know the church is celebrating you and we're proud of you for all of your accomplishments, college graduates as well. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Tell your neighbor that's today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Today is the day of Pentecost. And 2,000 years ago, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord or all in the same mindset and in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and those cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit Tell your neighbor, tongues is of the Spirit. Amen. I can't give you the gift of tongues. I cannot give you the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by tongues. But the Spirit can. And the Spirit will. And the Spirit wants to. And if you're here today and you want it, the Spirit is going to. It's not for me and nobody else. It's not for you and a few. It's for everybody today. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the Holy Ghost today? How many of you are thankful that God gave us a visible evidence that you have received His Spirit? Anybody thankful for that? You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. I'm not sure if I got it. I don't know if I've got it. I think I do, but I don't know. Amen. And I want to preach for just a little bit today on this thought, your personal Pentecost. Amen. Your personal Pentecost. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. In every uh, covenant that God made between God and man, and Brother uh, Mitchell did a great job this morning in the adult Sunday school class teaching. I hope you're taking notes today. Amen. Uh, I believe every Sunday school class today was speaking on the same topic. Amen. About the covenants that God made with man and the, in specific, amen, the, co the new covenant. How are you thankful that we're under a new covenant? Amen. That today we don't obtain uh, salvation or right standing with God by bringing bulls and goats up here and, and sacrificing them in front of everybody. That's not how we do it today. We're under a new covenant. But Brother uh, Mitchell brought out in his teaching, amen, Leviticus chapter 23, he talked about uh, the different feasts, and I would, I would encourage you, I love studying how the Old Testament 
types are fulfilled in the New Testament. It's one of my favorite things to study. And I would go back and study those uh, Leviticus chapter 23 and those seven feasts and how they, uh, we don't just do away with the Old Testament. It's foundation, amen, who has its powers in fulfillment in the New Testament, amen? And so read those seven uh, uh, feasts and, and, and the way that they, uh, their typology foreshadowed Jesus Christ and, and uh, gifts that are brought blessings that we have in the New Testament church today. But he brought out the four covenants. He brought out the uh, Noahic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and the Davidic covenant, right? And, and you might add to those maybe the uh, Adamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve, all right? But each of those were covenants, agreements, or contracts that God entered into with humanity. And I'm not going to reteach the Sunday school lesson. This is even part of my notes necessarily, but I think it's powerful to bring out. But in each of those covenants, God gave a visible reference point. In the Adamic covenant, amen, when Adam and Eve had sinned and God made a covenant with them that he was going to cover their sin, the visible reference was that he gave them the skins of an animal to cover their nakedness and to, to clothe them and take away their shame. That was a visible reference point. They didn't have to wonder if God had forgiven them. They didn't have to wonder if their nakedness had been clothed and if they could let go of the shame because God clothed them, amen, by the sacrifice of an animal. God took the skin of that animal and covered their nakedness. The, the Noahic covenant, the, the covenant with Noah. Anybody know what the covenant that God made with Noah was? The rainbow, visible reference point. Amen, that belonged to the church before all of the recent groups have gotten a hold of it. Amen, the rainbow belongs to the church. And it was a covenant. God said, I put that in the sky so every time you see a rainbow, you'll know I'm never going to destroy the earth by water again. All right, under the uh, Abrahamic government, uh, uh, um, covenant, the covenant, what the visible reference point was circumcision. We're not going to dive deep into what that was all about, but uh, you, you look that one up later, right? But that was a visible reference point to let them know that there was a covenant, that God was saying, look, this is a visible reference point to let you know that these are the promises that I'm going to keep with you. In the Mosaic covenant, it was Sabbath. Sabbath was the visible reference point, this holy day that they were given, amen, a day of rest, a day to, uh, to celebrate all that God had done for them. Again, it was a visible reference point. So it is when we come into the new covenant, we should not expect that under every other covenant, God gave them a visible sign, but in the new covenant, it was just, well, we don't really know whether or not something has happened. No, that is what new birth is. That is what repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost by evidence, by speaking in other tongues, is all about. It is a visible sign to you to know that I have, I have entered into a new covenant with God, that my sins have been forgiven, that, that God is living within me. All right, about eight of you really believe that. How many of you experienced the Holy Ghost? How many of you have spoken with other tongues as the Spirit gave you the utterance? Amen. That's not just the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gift of tongues. Amen. That is the evidence that you have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, I know that's more Wednesday night Bible study than it is maybe Sunday morning preaching. But it's important that we understand what Pentecost is all about. Pentecost is not a religion. Pentecost is not a denomination. It is, but it's way much more than just a religion or a denomination. Pentecost is an Old Testament type and a shadow that has seen New Testament fulfillment. And not only had New Testament fulfillment, but it is now, Pentecost is an experience for every new covenant child of God. Amen. For everybody. It's not for some. It's not for a few. There's not some that have the gift to speak in tongues and others who don't. No, every person that enters into new covenant relationship with God, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it's going to be evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Now, I'm, I'm going to do my best over the next 30 minutes or, or an hour and a half, however long, uh, to, to show you scripturally what I'm talking about. So let's talk about Pentecost. First of all, Pentecost simply means 50. And the reason that it was called Pentecost is because it came 50 days after the Passover. 
So in its origin, let's talk about the Passover first. The Passover in its origin, in the Old Testament origin, it was the day that every household in Israel sacrificed a lamb. And when they did that, they took the blood of that lamb and they applied it to the doorposts and to the mantle of their homes. And then they took the flesh of that lamb and they roasted it with herbs and then they ate the lamb. They consumed the lamb and anything they didn't consume had to be burnt and consumed by fire. If they did that, if they took the blood of that lamb and they applied it over the doorpost and the mantle of their home, then that night, amen, the death angel passed over and it would spare their firstborn son, amen. If they did not apply the blood, then the death angel passed. It didn't matter if you were Egyptian or Israelite. What mattered was obedience, It doesn't matter if you're Pentecostal. It doesn't matter if you say, well, I'm a Christian. That's not what matters. What matters is obedience. If if they were obedient to what God had commanded them to do, and, and, and let me break it down a little further, what God commanded them to do through a man. Not one Israelite ever heard God speak to them directly. This is what you need to do. Amen. They heard through a man and they were submitted to a man of God that spoke to them the word of God. And when they did what God spoke through a man to do and they applied the blood, the death angel passed over and everybody in their home was spared. And this event, the Passover, was the event that began their deliverance out of Egypt. Now, let me say this. Nothing I'm about to preach to you is going to move you one bit if you still want to live in Egypt. If you still love this world and you love the things of this world and you like the direction this world is heading in and you still want your secret sin and you still want to serve the devil, ain't nothing I'm going to tell you today that's going to move you one bit. But if today you're looking for a better world and you're looking for another world and you're looking to get out of this sinful world, then I've got something today that I want to tell you that is powerful. But that was the origin of the Passover. That was the first Passover. It was all about the application of the blood and the consuming of that lamb. It began their deliverance out of Egypt. 50 days following that, 50 days following the Passover where they applied the blood, which began their exodus out of Egypt, 50 days later, Moses would be atop Mount Sinai. And there atop Mount Sinai, God would, with his finger, he would etch into tablets of stone. He would give them commandments. He would give them laws to live by. Now, I know we live in a day and a time where people Love lawlessness. Nobody wants law. We don't want order. Everybody wants to do whatever they want to do and, and think that that's the way to living a better world. I want you to let you know, you start getting rid of law, amen, all you're going to get is chaos. Well, we need to defund the police and we need to get rid of this. You, you better be careful what you ask for. You're not going to get what you think you're going to get. We, law and order are good things. In fact, when God gave Moses the law, he said, I'm giving this to you so that you know how to live in the promised land. I'm giving you law so that when you get into the land of promise, you don't waste the promise. You don't waste the blessing. I'm giving you law and I'm giving you order so that you can be blessed, so that you can be fruitful, so that you can see the favor of God upon your lives. Amen. That was 50 days. That was the original Pentecost. God gave them law. Atop that mountain, as Moses was up there and God was meeting with him there, amen, the Bible says that there were, there were visible signs, amen, that there was lightning that took place atop that mountain. And, and the Bible says that there was thunder that, that began to roll atop that mountain. I, think, I know when we read that, we think of a, a good Southern Maryland uh, thunderstorm. You know, you got your lightning flashing and those booming sounds off in the distance. But if you look at that word thunder that is used there in its original Hebrew, it means languages or voices. Amen. But there were different languages that were being spoken atop that mountain, all of them out of the voice of God. There was visible, amen, lightning flashing, and there were voices and languages that were speaking from atop that mountain on the first day of Pentecost, the original Pentecost. You might see where we're going with that. 
Now, this original Passover and Pentecost were to be celebrated. God commanded Israel, every year you will celebrate them. And every time you do, amen, every time you celebrate the Passover, you're going to remember how that when you applied the blood over the doorpost and the mantle, that I spared the firstborn son and I brought you out of Egypt. Every time you celebrate Pentecost, you're going to remember that I gave you a law, amen, that I put some law into your heart, that I put some law on those tables of stone so that your families can be blessed. Amen. So that your children can, as the scripture said, so that all will go well with you and your children. I wonder, can we thank God that he's given us law in our homes and he's given us some order in our homes? Y'all going to help let me preach for just a little while this morning? Can I tell you, I know we live in a world where law and order are turned upside down and now we got children tearing, telling parents what they should do. Can I tell you, that's not how God ordained it, amen? You are not supposed to be parents, your children, telling you what you're going to do. It's supposed to be the other way around. Joshua didn't turn around and ask his children, hey, kids, are we going to serve God or not? No, Joshua said, as for me and everybody living under my roof, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm not asking my children, hey, I'm glad you girls are serving God, but if you choose not to, everybody living under my roof is going to be a church on Sunday. And so he said, I want you to keep these feasts so that you remember the original Passover and Pentecost. Now we move to the New Testament, and it was during the Feast of Passover and on the day of the Passover, it was the same day that, that, that Israel, they were in the middle of the feast of the Passover when the same one that when John saw him coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. It was on the day of the Passover that they took the body of Jesus Christ and they broke his body. It was on the same day of that Passover that they took the Lamb of God. Not so that one time one family could take blood and put it on the doorpost of the mantle of their home, but so every person that lived after that that day uh, could take the blood of Jesus Christ uh, and apply it to their lives uh, and know that their sins have been washed away. That's what happened on the Passover. The body of Jesus Christ, amen, they didn't kill Jesus. He laid down his life. Amen, they didn't murder Jesus. He laid down his life because he became the Passover. He became your way out of Egypt. He became your deliverance from bondage. He became your deliverance from sin. You can't do enough good works to, to get out of Egypt. Amen. You can't do enough good things to say your sin doesn't have control of you. But there is an answer. There is a way out of Egypt. And it is the blood of the Lamb. We used to sing, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes whitest. It may be an old-fashioned song, but I want to say it again today. Thank God for the blood. And we celebrated that Passover about seven weeks ago on Easter Sunday as we talked about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But now seven weeks and one day later, we stand on Pentecost Sunday and we celebrate 50 days after, after the blood of that lamb was applied to the doorpost and the mantle. Amen. 50 days after the lamb was sacrificed at Calvary. And now we're 50 days later. And we remember that Moses ascended that mountain and there at the top of that mountain the finger of God wrote into those tables of stone and as he did that there was thunderings as many languages were spoken atop that mountain and as there were flashes of lightning and the children of Israel the Bible says were fearful because of what they saw atop that mountain amen and now we're 50 days after the body of Jesus Christ has been broken and the Bible tells us that they entered into an upper room amen and when they entered 
entered into that upper room just like it was on the top of that mountain. Amen. There was lightning. There was cloven tongues like as of fire in that room. Amen. And there were many languages that were being spoken in that room. But it wasn't just lights and noise and languages. But what was happening was even greater than that. All of that was a visible evidence so we would know what had happened. Brother Mitchell talked about it in Sunday school today. Here's what really happens at Pentecost. Here's what really happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, you will speak with another language, but that's not really all that's going on. That's just a sign that the seal has been placed on the covenant. But Jeremiah prophesied and spoke about it. When the prophet said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Verse 33, he says, But this will be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Listen, after those days, saith the Lord, on the original Pentecost I gave you the law on tables of stone but in this new Pentecost I'm going to write my law in your heart I'm going to put my law on the inward part when you receive the Holy Ghost God wrote in your heart his law If you've got the Holy Ghost you shouldn't need a list of rules to help you live right You've got the Holy Ghost If you got the Holy Ghost, you don't need somebody reading you off a list of rules every Sunday. You just listen to the Holy Ghost that's living within you. Come on. We used to sing, I've got it, I've got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I've got it. Anybody thankful today? We don't have a list of rules, but we've got a relationship with the Almighty God. So I want to talk to us today about having your own personal Pentecost. Because it was never intended to be a 2,000 year something we celebrate that happened in an upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago where we talk about what once happened. It was intended to be something that everybody in this building experienced for themselves. Amen? I'm reading out of the same Bible. I'm reading the same Bible that all, there's some scriptures in here some of you have fallen in love with, but there's others that you argue with. And that's only going to take you so far. You're only going to make it so far. You better learn to fall in love with all the words. It may not line up with tradition. It may not line up with tradition. It may not line up with the way you've always done things. But if it's in the word of God, I don't want some of the truth. I don't want most of the truth. I want all the truth. I don't just want to celebrate the Passover by thanking God and applying his blood, but I want to celebrate Pentecost by experiencing everything they did on the day of Pentecost. So I want to, for the next 45 minutes, just see what kind of reaction I get. Somebody said I got an hour. All right. Every, all the guests are getting real nervous right now. They're like, is this guy for real? For the next few minutes, I want to share with us a pathway to your personal Pentecost. A path, and it shouldn't be just for new people. This should be some of you, some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. Some of you coming to church is just a religious routine. Amen. I can see it on the way you walk in here that it's just a chore. Amen. It's just something that you do because it's expected of you. It's something that you do because you don't want pastor to have to call you and bug you if you don't come. I'm telling you, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy, you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost brings life. The law brought death, but the new covenant brings life. And when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll say like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So I just want to take you four steps to a pathway to your personal Pentecost. The first is obedience. 
The first step required to reach your own personal Pentecost is obedience. I'd love to dress this up and make it something more catchy that you'd put on Instagram. Amen. Some nice little phrase that rhymes or some more socially acceptable word. But it's just good old-fashioned obedience. If you're going to experience Pentecost, it starts with obedience. You can't skip that step. It starts with obedience. Let's read in the day of Pentecost where I'm kind of where I'm getting this from. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus was assembled together with his disciples. And I want you to underline, even if you just do it in your mind, this next word, commanded them. Everybody say commanded. Which is different than suggested to them. Amen. Which is different than gave them a strong hint. He commanded them. And we're going to talk about this word more in just a moment because it's a, it's a very important word. It has very significant meaning. It has meaning for us today, not just for them. But he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. Anybody ever, any parent ever told your child, don't leave your room until it's clean? Don't get up from the table until all your peas are, are eaten. I don't, when I was a kid, we had peas all the time. Are peas even a thing anymore? I don't know. All right, don't, don't leave the table until all your green beans. Don't, don't stay there. Stay there until you're done. And Jesus commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, you've heard of this promise. For John truly baptized with water, but what's getting, here's what he said, here comes the promise, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not, he said, don't leave Jerusalem because the promise of the Holy Ghost is about to happen. You're getting ready to everything that I've done, every prophetic promise, amen, the reason I came and I sacrificed my life and I was laid in the grave and three days later I got up, the whole reason behind all of that is so that I could be in you. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost not many days. It's not going to happen too long from now. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And here's what's going to happen once you got the Holy Ghost. Amen. You're, going to, you're not going to be the member of a church. You're not going to be a deacon on a board. You're not going to get a leadership position in your church, but you're not going to stop, be able to stop talking about Jesus. You won't be able to stop talking about the difference that he's made in your life. You won't be able to stop telling people of the goodness of Jesus. You won't be able to hide what Jesus is doing in your life. Hey, if you can speak in tongues, but you can gossip, all you're doing is talking a weird language. You don't really got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to produce holiness, and it's going to make a witness out of you. It's going to make you testify on your job. It's going to make you testify in your community. He commanded them to wait in Jerusalem. The Greek word there is parangelo, which means to give a strict order. And many of the times in Scripture, it was, it was a word that was utilized in the context of military authority. Somebody of military rank was giving an order that was to be followed out by somebody of lesser rank. Anybody in the military, you know how chain of command works. If they tell you to do something, you just do it. You don't ask questions, you do it. Right? That, that's what this word, parangelo, that's what this commandment was. Jesus was pulling rank on them. Now, J Jesus knew he had all power several times. He said, I have all power. All power is given unto me. But very rarely do you find Jesus pulling rank. That's the amazing thing about somebody who has all the power and they're secure in their power. They don't have to go around reminding people. I don't need to go, hey, I'm the pastor here. I'm the big dog here. I call the shots. You know, if you really know you've got power, you don't need to tell anybody you got it. And you don't walk around with your, your rank all shined up. Amen. Those that are insecure in their power are trying to abuse power that they don't really have. They're constantly reminding people of power that they've got. We call this power tripping. 
But only eight times in the Gospels did Jesus ever command. Eight times. The God of heaven, robed in flesh. The, 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 the man Christ Jesus who had all, he said himself, I have all power has been given to me. He had all power. And, and yet only eight times did he pull rank and say, because of the power I've got, I'm telling you, do this. Only six times did he give a strict order. And three of those times he was telling somebody that he had healed or delivered. Don't go. He commanded them, don't go and tell others what just happened. Three of the handful of times Jesus pulled rank and said, because I'm Jesus and I've got the power, you need to submit to what I'm telling you to do and don't tell anybody what I just did for you. And half those times they didn't obey him. But nevertheless, he told them. Let's look at some of the other examples. In Mark 8 and 6, Jesus commanded people to sit on the ground right before he blesses fragments of bread and multiplies it to be enough to feed 4,000 people. He commanded them to sit down because he was getting ready to give them a miracle that they wouldn't be ready to handle if they weren't in the right position. And so Jesus pulled rank because he's saying, I've got to get you in the right place to receive the miracle. Amen. Listen, when Jesus pulls rank, it's always going to be for your benefit. He said, I'm going to pull rank here. you got a bunch of crazy people that are hungry and losing your minds. And if I just start breaking bread and multiplying it, half of you aren't going to see what I'm doing. So you're going to head to Burger King. And the other half of you are going to freak out and miss out on the miracle. So sit down. Because I've got to get you in the right position so that I can give you a miracle. In Luke 8, verse 29, Jesus commanded evil spirits to come out of a man that for much of his life the only place he could live was naked in a graveyard I think they came out with some kind of a TV show naked in a mountain or something I don't know I've seen it anyway uh, edit that part out Brad this man is, is the evil spirits had so tormented his mind that the only place he could live was in a graveyard. And the Bible says he was tormented. He lived in this graveyard and was just walking around out of his mind. And Jesus commanded the evil spirits to come out of that man. Amen. What was Jesus doing? He was pulling rank so that he could get that man back in his right mind because Jesus knew, I've got better things for you than wandering around in a graveyard. Amen. But I've got to pull rank here. I've got to give you a specific authority. I've got to give you a specific order so that you can receive what I'm going to do in your life. Jesus didn't just walk around throwing out commands. Anybody ever had a power trip leader? Hopefully you're not looking at me right now. You all are looking at me. It's like they always got to do this because I said so. Do that because I said so. Sometimes it's just dumb stuff, but they just want to remind you who's in charge. But Jesus, listen, Jesus spoke to the wind and waves. He didn't command the wind and waves. He just spoke to them and they were stilled. He blessed the bread and the fish. Yes, he commanded the people to sit down, but he didn't command the bread. He just broke it and blessed it and it was multiplied. A little girl that was dead, Jesus didn't command her to come back to life. He just spoke to her and said, come, you know, sit up. And when she did, life came back into him, into that little girl. Lazarus, who was in the grave four days dead, Jesus did not command Lazarus to come forth. He just called him by name. And when he said his name, Lazarus came forth. The point that I'm trying to make is Jesus didn't use this word very much. So when he does, we need to pay attention because he's trying to get us in the right position so that we can be in the right place for a miracle that is coming. He commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem. Why? Because he was positioning them for something better. Amen. Our obedience to experience Pentecost today is just the same as it was for those disciples 2,000 years ago. He said to them, Jasmine, go to Jerusalem and don't depart. Stay there. Something's going to happen. You'll know what it is when it happens. Amen. When it happens, you're going to remember the prophet said that it's going to be like living water coming out of you. When it happens, you're going to remember when the prophet said that with an unknown tongue, I'm going to speak to my people.
He commanded them. And I want to say to this church today, there is still a command. There is still a command in place for Pentecost. Amen. You cannot afford to leave Pentecost. You cannot afford to leave Jerusalem without Pentecost. Our obedience today to experience Pentecost is not to get a plane ticket to Jerusalem and say, well, I'm not leaving here until it happens for me. No, in Acts 2.38, Peter declared what we must do. All those people that were gathered, they walked up and said, hey, we hear everybody here speaking in languages that we don't understand. Some of them are speaking. They know We know they don't speak our language, but they're speaking in our language. We want to know what's going on. Simon Peter looked back at them and said, here's what you need to do. Here's how you obey. You repent. You get baptized in Jesus' name, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to address a question that just perplexes me. The question is, do I have to receive the Holy Ghost? Do I have to get the Holy Ghost to be saved? I I think it's just an issue of perspective. When I was a kid, they had this thing called Pentecostal, or not Pentecostal, that's a different one, Publisher's Clearinghouse. And and the guy never came to our house. But from what I understand, they would just show up at people's houses and knock on the door. Say, hey, you, you won a million dollars. Now, that man, I don't remember his name. Some of you might. Anybody? No, he never knocked on your doors either, huh? What was it? Ed McMahon. Oh, good, good old Ed. If Ed McMahon would have knocked on your door and said, hey, Trey, Today's your lucky day, buddy. You won a million dollars, but in order to get it, you got to come down here and you got to sign for this check. And if you will, we'll give it to you. A million dollars. Would a million dollars change your life today, Trey? That's a good, I mean, this is an easy question. Would it change your life today? If, if it don't change yours, you can give it to me. <laughs> it will change mine. Michelle, will it change Trey's life? Absolutely. All right. Trey's like, I'm not sure what I'm setting myself up for. But that would be like Trey looking back at Ed and saying, do I have to take this check for a million dollars? Do I have to go down to this place that that you've designated and sign on that dotted line? Do I have to take the million dollars? Do I really have to have that? Hey, I don't know why why we're talking like this is a promise. This is a gift. This is a blessing. It's the power of God coming to live in you. It's not about do you have to. It's about do you get to. It's the best thing that's ever happened to humanity is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. The first step to experiencing your own personal Pentecost is being obedient to the Scripture. Well, my friend didn't say we got to do it this way. Be obedient to the Scripture. Well, that, my favorite TV preacher didn't say we got to do it that way. Be obedient to the Scripture. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Ghost. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. The second step to your personal Pentecost is ascension. Anybody say ascension. Is anybody brave enough to tell me what ascension means? To go up. Rise up. The second step on your pathway to Pentecost is that you've got to ascend. Acts 1.13 tells us when they came to Jerusalem, as they had been commanded, the Bible says they ascended into an upper room. And then they continued there in prayer and supplication. They didn't leave that place, that elevated place. Anybody want to tell me where Moses got the original Pentecost? Where was he when God gave him those tables? He was up in a mountain. I don't think it's any accident, and it's not a coincidence. If you're going to get everything that God has for you, you've got to ascend. You've got to be willing to go up. You've got to leave low living behind. You've got to leave basement living behind. And you've got to ascend. Some of you already think you've got it like that. You're like, well, I'm already pretty high up there. Ascend just means leave where you are right now and go higher. 
Jesus has more for you. He's got more for you, and you've got to be willing to leave this behind and go to that. You cannot expect greatness while simultaneously settling for average. We want an elevated move of God while maintaining ground floor living. Well, I want to keep shacking up, but I also want anointing. It don't work like that. All right, I can tell I just hit some stuff. I, I want to keep living this low life, this basement dwelling. I want to keep my little sin on the side, but I want to be used of God. I want to be anointed. I want everything God has for me, but I want everything I want for me at the same time. And it does not work like that. If you're going to make your, if you're going to get to your own personal Pentecost, you're going to have to leave some things behind. You're going to have to ascend. It's time to go up. It's time to get higher. It's time to move further. I know we look at those pictures of that cute little baby grizzly bear. Oh, look at it. It's so cute. Little baby grizzly bear. Look at him playing around, rolling around in the dirt with his brother. Those little cute little baby tigers, don't they look so cuddly? Just want to cuddle with them at night while you sleep. Anybody here ever seen pictures of those baby grizzlies? Listen, if I bought everything my wife has seen a picture of as a baby, I'd have a zoo in my backyard. Every time she sees a baby cow, she's like, oh, we got to get a baby cow. The problem is baby cows become big cows. Oh, look at that baby goat. Yeah, baby goats become big goats, and they rip and tear everything apart. Hey, you might get, and that's the way people are with sin. They got their cute little sin. Oh, look at that cute little sin. Nobody knows about it. I just, I just, when nobody's looking, I just take my cute little sin out. It's so cute and cuddly. It would never hurt anybody. But like a grizzly bear, sin always grows up. Amen. Amen. You don't really want that grizzly bear. You think you do. But when that grizzly bear grows up, it's going to eat you for dinner. And the Bible says that sin, when it is finished. Not some sin, not my sin, not your sin, but all sin. When it is finished, you've got to ascend. You've got to say to yourself, I'm tired of low living. I'm tired of basement living. It's time to go up. If you want Pentecost, you can't get it in the lower room. You've got to go to the upper room. You may have to leave some relationships behind. Some of you didn't like that one. That's why some of you have never had Pentecost happen in your life. That's why some of you church is just religious. There's no power of God in it. Because you're not willing to leave stuff behind. You leave here and you go back to your old crowd and you do the same things you've always done. You may have to leave some locations behind. There may be some pla- there should be some places that you can't go that you used to go. That's what the upper room is all about. It's about ascending. It's about going up and leaving. Hey, when you became a follower of Jesus, you made up in your mind, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I wonder, is anybody in 2022 still ready to ascend? Is there still anybody today that wants to go up? All of us, everybody in this building, we all have to make up in our minds afresh and anew that I want to ascend. Oh, God, forgive me for my low thinking. Forgive me, oh, God, for my low living. In every one of us in this building, there is basement-dwelling thoughts in our minds. There is no Pentecost without a Passover. And, And that's the thing. We want Pentecost, but we still want to stay in Egypt. I want to stay in Egypt, but I, I, want that, I want that experience of the upper room. 
But that's why he put it in the timeline he did. He said, no, first I'm going to give you the Passover, and then I'm going to give you Pentecost. Because Pentecost wasn't about Egypt. It was about getting you ready for the promised land. Amen. But Pentecost doesn't have any value in your life if you're still content living in Egypt. Amen. It's only after you leave Egypt that Pentecost does you any good. Too many today want Pentecost, but they don't want to leave Egypt. Which brings us to the third step of the equation. Unity. Unity. Personal Pentecost. Well, how, Pastor, that's kind of redundant, kind of uh, ludicrous. How can I be disunified? Oh, you'd be surprised. It's got to be unity. The Bible tells us in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They were all in the same mindset, and that's a miracle right there. Right? You get 120 people, plus women and children, everybody's thinking about the same thing. That's a, as a pastor, I could tell you that's an absolute miracle. If you can just get the pastor thinking about the right things, that's a miracle. Then you get everybody else in the room thinking about the, right, the same thing, that's a miracle. But that's, it was after they all got in the same mind, in the same place, that suddenly... There came a sound from heaven. Amen. And and until there is unity, there will not be a sound from heaven. Well, doesn't personal Pentecost rule out division? No. Because I know a lot of people that are so utterly divided within themselves that they cannot grow spiritually. You cannot experience Pentecost while you're divided within yourself. While part of you wants to serve God, but part of you wants this world. While part of you wants everything God has for you, but the other part wants to see what more this world can offer you. You cannot experience Pentecost as long as that's what's going on. There has got to be a made-up mind that comes over you. I don't, I, I'm, I'm preaching to young people in this room. Some of you have been using the excuse that you're too young, that you're 12 and 13, and so you can't get serious with God. I want to tell you, I got the Holy Ghost when I was five years old. The problem isn't your age. The problem is where your mind is. You need to put your iPad and your iPhone away and get your eyes on Jesus. You don't have to wait until you're 30 to get the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost at 8 years old. You can get the Holy Ghost at 13. But you can't be divided. You got to get a made-up mind that I want to serve Jesus more than anything. It's the only thing that matters to me is I've got to get right with Jesus. James 1 and 8 says a double-minded man is unstable. And it's so prevalent in the church today, double-minded. Well, I want to serve God with everything I've got, but I want to... I want to pursue after, you know, these. I got my career and I've got this relationship and I've got this hobby over here and I want to pursue those. And so I'll just give Jesus the little bit that I got left. You won't get the Pentecost that way. Amen. The only way you're going to get the Pentecost is you got to get a holy, resolute, made up mind that the only thing in my world that matters is I've got to get everything God has promised me. I've got to get what God has for me. The number, I'm almost done. The number one factor that people don't get the Holy Ghost is not because they don't understand tongues. Because I've seen a lot of people get the Holy Ghost that never heard of tongues before. It ain't that. It's that they've got sin hidden in their heart that they don't want to get rid of. And some of you good Holy Ghost filled apostolics, the reason you ain't full of the Holy Ghost is because you've let sin get in. Well, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost back in 1913. Well, you weren't alive back then, so you're lying, first of all. I got the Holy Ghost, and you can name the day, time, date, and place, but it's evident you're not full of the Holy Ghost right now. Why? Because you're double-minded. You're divided in your thinking. You've let the world get into your heart, and you've let the world get into your mind, and so you're not walking in the Holy Ghost. You're not full of the Holy Ghost, and you never will be until you get a made-up mind that nothing in this world matters more to me than Jesus. Yeah. 
Every person in this room today, you can receive the Holy Ghost. And you will receive the Holy Ghost when you get united, when you get a made-up mind, when you get resolute, when you get singleness in your thinking that take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You will never receive the Holy Ghost with a Lot's wife perspective. Lot's wife was too busy looking back at Sodom to ascend into the mountain. You will never receive the Holy Ghost while you're holding on to this world. But the moment that you let this world and all of its ideology and all of its sinful ways, the moment that you let that go out of your heart and your mind, there is nothing in this world that can stop you from receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues. I don't care what religion you are. You don't have to become Pentecostal to have a Pentecost experience. Amen. God can fill Catholics with the Holy Ghost. He can fill Baptists with the Holy Ghost. But the one person God cannot fill with the Holy Ghost is a double-minded man. Not sure if I'm really ready to leave Egypt yet. Which brings us to the last point. Musicians, you can give everybody hope today. You must be filled. The fourth and final step to your personal Pentecost is that you must be filled. You see, most of us are good with an Acts 1 and 2. We're good with that. The Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting in. Oh, we love to come to church where there's a Holy Ghost. We're just close enough to the fire to warm ourselves up. Amen. We're just close enough to the move of God to feel better about the way we're living. We're just close enough to know, amen, like Samson, every time Delilah would tempt him, amen, he would shake himself when he woke up and everything was all right, but Samson did it one too many times. Amen. I want to tell you, it's not enough to be in a house where the house is filled. It's not enough to come to a church where the Spirit fills the house. Amen. That's not enough to be in a Spirit-filled church. And there's people today, oh, I go to a spirit-filled church. That's not the question. The question is not, is your church filled? The question is, are you filled? I thank God that his spirit is here today. I thank God that I can feel his spirit in this place. But I don't want to just come to a place where his spirit fills the house. I want to move on to verse number four. And they were all filled. I want the Holy Ghost to fill me. Oh God, don't just fill this house. Fill me. I don't just want you to be in the house. But I want you to be in me. The Holy Ghost is in this house right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place. You may not, tradition may tell you that you don't need what I'm talking about. Other preachers may have told you, you don't need what I'm talking about. But Jesus said, don't leave until you get it. You don't have to leave this place today without the Holy Ghost. I said, you don't have to leave this place today without speaking in other tongues. Simon stood up at the end of that day and he said this promise what promise the Holy Ghost what are you talking about the language they were all speaking all those languages atop Mount Sinai it was the evidence this promise James is for you it's for Shaq, it's for white, it's for black it's for brown, it's for yellow, it's for old it's for young, it's for rich, it's for poor it's for the person who's been coming to Living Hope since the first Bible study. It's for the person who walked in these doors for the first time today. It's not a one-time experience. You can keep coming back to Joel's bar. You can get filled up with the Holy Ghost afresh and anew today. Yeah. I need some made-up minds to raise your hands in this house. Don't, for, don't think about what your neighbor's doing right now.
Don't let the enemy get your mind divided. I want the promise. I want Pentecost. I thank God for the Passover where his blood washed my sin away. But I want the law to be written on my heart. I want Pentecost. I want the promise. I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. I don't want this to be just a group effort. The Holy Ghost is filling this house. But I don't want him to just fill the house. I want him to fill you. I want him to fill me. I wonder if anybody walked out of this altar today and say, I recognize that his spirit is filling this house. I feel it. I see it. It's everywhere. But I'm not content with just him filling the house. I've got to have him fill me. Come on, somebody. Your pathway to Pentecost begins right now. Your pathway to the promise of Jerusalem begins right now. to this altar, I want us to raise our hands toward heaven. The first thing that we've got to do is ascend. We've got to ascend. We've got to go up. we got to be willing to Hold on one second. Hold on. I need to make this point emphatically clear. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost of this book is a transforming, life-changing power. It's not intended to be a trinket on a bracelet that you wear around. It's not intended to be some little certificate that you have framed on a wall. It's intended to change your life. To transform you from the mind of this world to the mind of Christ. And so if you get the Holy Ghost and nothing changes in your life, you did not get the Holy Ghost. And the first thing that's going to happen is God is going to prick your heart and say, are you ready to let go of this world? Everybody in this building, are you ready to let go of this world? And if you've still got one hand inside of them, well, Lord, I'm willing to let go of most of it, but there's still that one thing, then there's no Pentecost. Because Pentecost is there to change you. So right now I'm praying, it's called conviction. That's what that prick in your spirit is. It's called conviction. And I'm asking right now, a wave of the Holy Ghost would sweep through this building, good old-fashioned conviction, where the Spirit of God would poke us and prick us in our hearts and say, hey, are you, are you, ready, to, are you ready to go up to the high place? Are you ready to leave behind low living? Are you ready to leave behind the mind of this world? Are you ready to go up into the upper room, into the mountain, and there I will meet with you? right now in your spirit it's time to go up it's time to ascend it's time to leave some things behind it's time to let the Holy Ghost get into your heart and start challenging you that's true repentance it's not just saying God I'm sorry it's about ascending to a higher place you've got to get in unity right now you can't be divided some of you right now, part of you wants everything God has for you, but there's still a part of you that's holding on to this world, and you cannot get Pentecost until you get unified. All of me, Jesus, all of me, take all of me. Holy Ghost, I'm asking you right now to search my heart. David cried out in the 51st Psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Search me, O God, and know my ways. If there's anything in me, O God, if there is anything in me, come on, flesh, you've got to die. Come on, that part of me that's looking back to Sodom and Gomorrah, you've got to die. That part of me that's fallen in love with this world, you've got to die.
no use going on to Pentecost until we take care of the Passover. Come on, there's no use going on to the upper room until you take care of Egypt. You've got to get Egypt out of your life. Take this whole world. I wish all across this room today we would hit our knees, old-fashioned, kneeling down in the presence of God. Oh, God, I'm asking you to search my heart today. I'm asking you to seek every corner of my life. Lord, every hidden part of me, those things that I've not been willing to let go of, God, I lay it down at your feet. Oh, Jesus, nothing in this world matters to me, Lord. I need you. Oh, God, I need what's waiting on me in Jerusalem. I'm not going back to this world. I'm waiting for you, Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.